With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. However, standing by right now is the one and the only, Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my, go to my grave testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does, I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You go ahead and chop me. Just give me a big chop. I'll sell. I'll give you my whole chest and everything. And then I'll look at you like this, and uh, then I'll punch you right in the mouth as hard as I can. <laughs> Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. As we continue to add to the PTSM universe, uh, man, a lot, a lot, a lot is going on. And uh, we have an awful lot to talk about this week. And we are going to get to all of your questions. This is going to be a special edition, another Q&A. We haven't done one in a while. And I will be uh, bringing on the esteemed producer of the program, Casey Jerome, back coming up. But uh, before we get there, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the um, last episode that we had here on, on uh, PTSM with Kevin Sullivan. And uh, I hope you all got a chance to listen to that one. If you haven't, please do, uh, because uh, it, was, it was a great uh, episode. It's another one of those that we go into, and I knew you know, a lot about Kevin Sullivan and his career. I did. Uh, but uh, I really, after you get into the conversation and then you realize just how much of an influence he was on a lot of what happened during those years in the uh, 80s and 90s, especially uh, behind the scenes. I mean, he had this tremendous wrestling career, uh, was a champion in the NWA uh, uh, down in the Gulf Coast, the uh, the Gold Coast down there, and uh, was a tag team champion and uh, a number of other uh, titles came his way and and really uh, wrestled the best in the in the world. Traveled the world, worked for all these different organizations. And then, uh, you know, along the way, he uh, is recognized as somebody who uh, is great at uh, booking, you know, and having uh, a real sense of storytelling. And he's used by uh, several of these promoters. And then 
Of course, uh, he is most remembered as far as that goes with the WCW and, uh, you know, played a big role in what happened there. And I find it really interesting that, uh, you know, he talked about it. Uh, Eric Bischoff, you know, during the time they butted heads all the time. And, and when I think, uh, you know, Kevin left there and everything just blew up, uh, blew apart at the end. Uh, Eric was not so kind with his words about uh, Kevin Sullivan, but as the years have gone on and he's, uh, he said it uh, that, uh, you know, Kevin had, was a huge influence. It's a very positive influence on the road that they traveled and the success that they had. So uh, a really interesting episode. And if you haven't caught it yet, uh, please do, because uh, it it, uh, it is a really good one. And, uh, you know, I've run into uh, Kevin several times, um, you know, uh, at some of these shows that we do and and uh, backstage, at, uh, he was at StarCast and, you know, briefly got a chance to chat, but really didn't get uh, the opportunity to, uh, you know, get to know him better. But uh, it's it's really uh, great when I get these get to do these podcasts because I do get to know these people uh, a lot better than, um, you know, than I would have ever gotten the chance. And so uh, I feel like I have a new friend. <laughs> really, we've uh, texted back and forth. Uh, quite a few times since, and uh, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, give a big shout out once again to uh, Kevin Sullivan. And uh, if you uh, have an opportunity, not only listen to that podcast, but uh, you know follow him uh, on all the uh, the different outlets out there. I don't know how active he is on Twitter or Instagram, but he is one interesting individual, and he still gets out there to a lot of these uh, these shows. But man, uh, it's just great to uh, uh, you know. Uh, go into his career and, and have heard his thoughts on uh, what that journey was like for him. Also, I real I have to um, uh, you know have some corrections here uh, on the part of uh, Mr. Ted DiBiase. Now he uh, texted me, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out did did uh, we discuss a lot of this or did we get into it? But he was uh, I think fearful that maybe we 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 went in our discussion the, the second time around that uh, he may have said some things that weren't exactly accurate, or maybe I did, and we just wanted to set the uh, record straight here. And uh, he, he says, you know, he sent me a text that, hey, Sean, some corrections on the podcast. I wrestled Hulk Hogan in his Madison Square Garden debut. That was December 17th, 1979. Uh, he wanted to make clear, I wasn't his first WWF opponent, though, overall. Uh, Hulk had already debuted on uh, television, uh, with uh, WWF uh, Championship Wrestling exactly one month earlier on November 17th. And he even provided a link, which I, I had to take a look at because I just wanted to see it. I mean, it's just great. It's vintage uh, Ted DiBiase going up against uh, uh, a fairly young Hulk Hogan. And uh, really, uh, it, I'll tell you what is uh, true and, and factual is that uh, very much so Ted DiBiase uh, did the Hulkster a solid at Madison Square Garden when they, uh, uh, you know, met that night in the ring as uh, Vince Sr. had asked Ted to, uh, you know, put him over, put this guy over. And uh, he absolutely did that. And Ted tells the story of how, you know, years later when he ended up in the WWF as the million dollar man uh, that uh, Terry, you know, made it clear that, uh, uh, you know, I, I I never forgot. I never forgot that, and uh, he certainly helped uh, put Ted over in the WWF um, once he arrived there and uh, had that that tremendous career. Um, 
He says also that his first stint in the WWF was for 10 months from mid-February to mid-December 1979. Uh, that uh, I guess uh, uh, when we had reported it before, we had said it was eight months. Though He was there for 10 months, which is very interesting. I didn't know that uh, he had, had stayed that long. I thought it was, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a very short period of time. But, you know, that's almost a year. So uh, anyway, Ted, uh, just wanted to make sure you knew we got this all out there. And I appreciate you uh, wanting to make sure that uh, we make everything accurate. But uh, regardless of it all, man, uh, it's just fascinating to hear the stories and the background on this of, uh, you know, how it all happened. It really, it's incredible because, you know, uh, uh, to make your debut at Madison Square Garden, that is a big deal. That is a big deal. And uh, for the Hulkster to have stepped in the ring for that first match there with just an incredible professional like Ted DiBiase uh, had to be a, a fantastic start for him, uh, w- w- you know, in that mecca of uh, sports entertainment there. And uh, I love hearing these stories because you would never know how uh, Hulk felt about that, uh, you know, and, and, uh, that it was something that years later he would, he would, re- would remember. And, uh, certainly when Ted arrived there, he already had a friend. So, uh, just awesome stuff. But again, Ted DiBiase, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I'm glad we got that all cleared up. Uh, we put the word out, um, uh, a week or so ago that, uh, it was time once again because we'd have uh, we've had inquiries uh, and especially what uh, what I'm up to lately uh, regarding the new NWA, the uh, National Wrestling Alliance, and uh, their power program, and now joining that broadcast team. So uh, we discussed it, uh, Evan and, and uh, Casey and I. We all talked about it and said, you know, we should do we should do an episode where we get everybody a chance to uh, throw some questions out there and then. We can get uh, get uh, me to talk about uh, everything that's uh, happened because God for weeks and and Casey will back me up on this. <laughs> um, I couldn't I didn't even couldn't even tell him I didn't tell anybody because uh, they wanted to kind of keep it under wraps. They didn't really know uh, when uh, I was going to be able to get out there, and it was tough, man. It was uh, really difficult for me to keep uh, keep it under wraps, but we did. And uh, it was just fantastic uh, when it all happened. And, and I'll let uh, Casey, uh, when he jumps in here, uh, I'm sure he's going to have a number of questions. But uh, I really, I, I have to tell you, I am just absolutely blown away by the the response. First of all, the response, like how many responded uh, to my appearance there and uh, people hearing the news but also just how incredibly positive it was, man. It warmed my heart. It, it, it really did. Uh, so with that, uh, we've got a, a ton of questions. We'll get to all of them, every single one of them. And uh, we'll give a shout out to everybody who, who sent us a question here. And uh, we'll go from there. So uh, Casey, I think you're there. Casey Jerome Beck, you all know him. He's become a part of this program uh, now that we've uh, been together. I don't know how long. I know you, you didn't start the podcast with me, but, uh, man, it's got to be, what, a year and a half now? How long have you uh, been with PTSM? A little over two years. Uh, it was Re- really? October. How long have we been doing this? How long have I – jeez. <laughs> so, like, I'm like two and a half years in. I think it was, what, June of – 2017. 17. Oh, my goodness. June of 2017, and I joined in October of 2017. Wow. Man, can you believe it? 
We're still doing this. Now, I, I know, I know. And there's there's been many times where I think the three of us, you know, were about on the edge of saying that's it, but yeah. for yeah. some reason we're still going strong and you're still you're still doing it, my friend. And uh I'm still here. It's, <laughs> that's it's, say. I mean, yeah, and you're uh you're still here. That's good. <laughs> that's a good thing, right? I am still here. I couldn't I I would kick myself if I if I would have left and found out that I could have gone to Vegas or whatever, you know. So well, all the things we've gotten to do oh so far, and God, uh, it's been so much fun. It's been so plenty ahead, and, and and really, Casey. Now I, I haven't had the opportunity to apologize uh, to you that uh, you know I had to, I had to kayfabe even you uh, in uh, Evan. Uh, so uh, you know uh, when I was able to uh, put it out there, you were one of the first to know, and uh, so. Anyway, I hope I hope I didn't uh, harm any feelings there that were still good. Is that oh, is that the case? Are well, we good? I don't know. We're, I still got a little work to do. <laughs> I felt just a little slighted that you wouldn't tell me the first time, simply because of our, how long our relationship, so to speak, has gone. But I do understand yeah. why you did it, and yeah, it's you know. Well, see, in situations there, and I've learned this in the past that uh, yeah, sir, I, there are people I trust uh, absolutely. But I don't ever I don't want to give people information sometimes that, you know, for whatever reason, something slips or they, you know, if they don't know, then there's nothing they have to fear. There's nothing that I have to worry about anybody uh, putting out there. So that's kind of the way I, I uh, what's they say, need to know basis. And, uh, and, and, you know, and this thing went on. Uh, you probably had an inkling of things going on because uh, this was uh, probably a couple of months in the making. So, uh, did you, or did you suspect, or was I that good? A little of both. I thought it was interesting that you got so many NWA guys all kind of in a row. We, you know, we've got three or four interviews in the books right now. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was interesting, but I didn't, I didn't really put two and two together. I just thought that Dave thought you were a cool guy and he, you know, provided you his talent or whatever. But... Well, and of course, I loved my, my, uh, interviewing skills. Of course, that was a big part of it. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I think we I thought that's what I thought you would think, because here, you know, we did we had uh, Dave Lagana on the podcast, uh, who, of course, is uh, Billy Corgan's uh, um, uh, partner in all this. He's uh, the number two there. And uh, and uh, we had a great conversation um, and uh, things kind of went from there. But uh, I did. And, you know, I wanted to get the guys on. I wanted to help push that immediately because I just uh I like what they are doing, you know, and after seeing the product and uh, and seeing how much fun they're having them, you know, if, if even if nothing was going to come out of that, I did want to help uh, put those guys over. And uh, boy, am I glad I did, because if I, as I've learned and gotten to uh, gotten the chance to meet these guys, they're just uh, what a great roster. But uh, so with, 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 since we're on that subject, Casey, I'll let you fire away, because uh, if anybody's wondering uh, about uh, some of that uh, flying around and how that situation happened and what it's like there and uh, well, the, what the taping was like uh, in Atlanta, uh, fire away. I'm actually curious about that, but we'll get to some other questions here first. Team Rocket UGA AEW, it's a mouthful, on okay. Twitter asked what brought you to the NWA. I mean, was it was it just the interview with Dave that kind of impressed him or was this something that like he was planning or what? Well, uh, no, I don't think that that was, I mean, I, I, I think that after we had that podcast conversation and uh, he may have, uh, it may have helped move uh, 
the motivation for it. But I, this really uh, all started, I would say, um, back at Starcast uh, when uh, when they had did, when they had All In, yep. and uh, Nick was going up against uh, Nick Aldis, who's the uh, current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, was going up against Cody in that uh in that match there and uh nick is uh he's he's not only just a a great guy but um very much uh, loves the the uh, the history of professional wrestling and um he was growing up uh during you know those 80s and 90s and was a huge fan of the uh wwf and and uh you know that kind of that old school wrestling love of the the NWA and, and, uh, the AWA and he, you know, he grew up in England. And so they would, uh, you know, get uh, their information through magazines over there and some VHS tapes and that kind of thing. And, uh, loves the old style, the old, uh, stick mic, uh, interview style and, uh, loved the stuff that I did back uh, when I was with the world wrestling federation and when that opportunity came up, uh, when Cody contacted me and said, hey, you know, we'd love to do, have you do a, an interview or two at uh, All In, uh, I jumped at the chance. I just thought that was it would be fun. And I was going to be there anyway doing some stuff for StarCast. And so uh, we got the opportunity to, to shoot that interview. And it turns out Dave Lagana was there producing it. And so there was that immediate connection. And Nick and I hit it off immediately. Uh, we just... Uh, for whatever reason, I mean, uh, we just did and uh, had a great conversation uh, about the business. And he talked about how much, you know, he loves that uh, that feel to a match where it's you know, like a big fight. Mm-hmm. He loved the idea of doing, uh, you know, pre-fight dur- uh, instructions. You know, the guys meet in the center of the ring and, uh, you know, and uh, loves that. And so there's this uh, edge of reality and, of course, sports entertainment. And, uh, and, and so, like I said, he loves that whole thing about the interviews and the way they, they, they were done in the past and the opportunity to play off somebody instead of those, what, what, uh, the promo has cutting a promo, as I say, has evolved into is the guy just going into the camera and doing his, his bit. Um, he loves the, the interaction between, uh, uh, that, you know, an interviewer and, and whoever the subject is, whoever the talent is. A huge fan of Gene Okerlund, so uh, you know it was it was uh, a match <laughs> made in heaven in a sense because we did we hit it right off and I know for a fact that he had something to do with with uh, putting me on their radar and encouraging them uh, to bring me on board. So mm-hmm. that's how that all that at least that initial uh, you know uh, contact happened, and then uh, Dave and I had conversations and. Uh, I interviewed Nick again through that point, and he just said, "Hey, yeah, just uh, really hoping that uh, I've I've said a few things to them, but I'm hoping something happens, and it did, and I'm really, really happy about it." Yeah, that's so cool. I I personally marked out when I saw you on the NWA show last week. I'm dead serious, I, you know, and it's and it's not just because you're my boss or whatever. It's because it's because of everything that I know about you and have seen with you, and and I know that you're you're a unique personality. So I know that your 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 talent is gonna be is gonna you know go so far there. I love it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, all right. So Justin Ryan Lawton on Facebook, and I'm going to let you stroke your ego a little bit with this one. Did you ever think you were so loved by pro wrestling fans and that you would come back to the business after almost 30 years away? <laughs> stroke my ego huh oh <laughs> uh, that's that that is awesome and I, and I have to tell you I mean be honest you know is that uh I thought that there might be you know some people would say oh that's really cool Mooney's uh back there back but I had no idea that uh it would have the reaction it did and uh you know because I you know I just did the one interview on that episode and I was just uh amazed it really was and uh, really humbled by it. That uh, and I really never ever thought that this I would be in this situation again. I honest to God didn't. And you know, just doing the podcast, I thought, okay, you know, I kind of got my toe back in the water on this. It's fun. I love uh, interviewing uh, a lot of these personalities. It takes me back, and uh, was really enjoying that. And once in a while, getting a chance to do some things at Starcast, but. Uh, uh, it, it, this this opportunity has just uh, been fantastic, and uh, I have to say, I, I went into I had some trepidation. I mean, it's been a while since I've been in, in that format. I mean, I'm I'm on live television every single day. I mean, Monday through Friday, and uh, and there's nothing that prepares you more for you know things to happen and be able to tap dance than that. And, uh, but at the same time, it's, you're in front of a live audience there. And, uh, so I, I was you know, nervous. I was, I, mean, I have to be honest here. And, uh, but once I went, once I went out there and, uh, and, and it was awesome that it was Nick who, uh, you know, requested that I do that first interview with him. And it just, uh, it was, as soon as I got back, went out there and they did the five, four, three, two and go and. And with the crowd, and it was just like boom. I mean, I was right. I was just locked in, yeah. and uh, it was. Uh, I hope people could tell that 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 was the case because it was. It was. Uh, I was like, All right, I want. You know, what's what's next? What's the next one? <laughs> I just wanted to keep going. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that was. Uh, I, I I've been blown away by it. Really, the reaction has been just great. Uh, Sean Sumi on Twitter says, "When will I hear Zicky Dice make primetime truly outlandish?" Well, uh, I, I would say very soon. I, I am uh, going to get as many of these uh, these personalities on uh, these these uh, great athletes and great talents uh, because they're all so unique. It, it's that that roster is just uh, really it's just fantastic. And Zicky Dice, so, you know, we put out uh, a question out there. You know, who would you want me to interview first? Or I think that was the question. 
and uh, of all that roster. And it's got a really rich roster. You're talking Nick Aldis and Eli Drake and Aaron Stevens. And uh, I really like uh, Ricky Starks. And the ladies are just fantastic with uh, Thunder Rosa and Melina and Allison Kay and Ashley uh, Vox and all these all these uh, people are just great. Every single one of them. Uh, you know, uh, Billy and Dave have done a fantastic job. And you have to remember, I mean, can you imagine you're starting this uh, operation really from the ground up yeah. and you need to pick a team, a, a roster that's going to help you launch this uh, this program. And you need all the parts to work, uh, and at least a vast majority of them. And they did a great job because all of them on this roster, all the people on this roster are, are all so unique. They're really, really good. And you'll, re- you'll hear me refer to them uh, often saying they got a murderer's row. And I think Nick said it uh, first when we were having a conversation. And really, it makes a lot of sense to, to call it that because they've got some of the best uh, – People that could cut promos in the business, absolutely in the business. And for whatever for whatever reason, these guys were, were out there and and have not, um, you know, uh, been in the mainstream uh, pro wrestling. But they are all just unique talents. And what's great about them is that they've been up and down in this business. Every one of them has been up and down in this business. So they know the 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 highs of it and they know the lowest lows of it. And so there's no head cases. These guys are grateful for the opportunity. They love being in front of this audience and they love entertaining people. And uh, you've got uh, a great mix of, you know, some of these more veteran uh, type uh, uh, wrestlers who have been around uh, and they're not certainly, you know, they're all still in great shape. I mean, look at Eli Drake, my God, Uh, he's in fantastic shape and all these guys that are there. But then you've also got some of these really young talents, and they're going to help develop these guys, you know, people like Ricky Starks and uh, some of the younger people they have on the roster. So it's just a great mix. And Zicky Dice is really unique because I, I've never, I'd never seen him before, I, you know, and I'm not all, you know, all that tapped into the independent uh, uh, market out there, you know, the, the, the different organizations. Right. But you'd be surprised to know he has not been around that long. He, he is... He is from a. Uh, he was his first uh, uh, launch into fame is was as a uh, a pop rocker, kind of a, a, a an edgy uh, a punk rocker band that he was with, and he was the lead singer on that, mm-hmm. and was uh, you know very very uh, animated on stage, and uh, and and always a big wrestling fan. And one of the and someone talked to him, talked to him and said, you know what, you should be a wrestler, and. Uh, you know, he's not that old, but he, he started late as a wrestler. But it turns out that uh, Zicky Dice had this band, and uh, Seth Rollins was a big fan of his band. Uh, and, of course, they uh, kind of hooked up, became friends, because uh, Zicky loves, loves professional wrestling, and Seth happened to be a fan of his band. And after this person uh, that told him that, uh, you know, you should, you should go for it, he called up Seth, who's attached to the school, and said, "I want to, I want to learn how to wrestle," and that's what he did. So, <laughs> and he's good at it, and he is really great. I guess from his stage presence, that's where all this comes from. But he has not been around that long, which is amazing. And uh, he's you know, he's become very popular in a short period of time. 
uh, just took off with the, uh, the 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 fans with the NWA, and he is uh, he's great. He did he did this uh, promo where out at the uh, the studios where they uh, shoot the shows, uh, the GPG uh, studios there. Um, uh, he went out. There was a there was an actual protest uh, out front, and it wasn't having anything to do with wrestling. It was. Uh, they were protesting war or something out in the crowd. And he saw this and went out there with a camera, uh, I think right with his phone. He had somebody with a phone and he did this whole promo saying, uh, yeah, you should be protesting that I'm not getting a title shot or whatever. And it is just a riot. And and you could see the people because he is just as loud as they are. He's yelling as the guy's trying to speak. And people are looking over at him like, what the hell? And some guy co- tries to come over, you know, and kind of block him, you know, like, hey, move away from him. And he's having none of it and just destroys this guy verbally and, uh, you know, just doesn't give him a chance to really say anything. And then he goes on like, to shake his hand and he pulls his hand away. And it's just it's just great stuff. So uh, if you can check that out. But anyway. A really long answer to that question is that we will have Zicky Dyson, no question about it. Awesome. All right, we're going to move on to more general questions here. Uh, Paul Diamond on Twitter says, hey, Sean, what's your favorite meal? Really? That's a question? <laughs> he wants to know what, I want, what my favorite meal is? Yes. Oh, the world goodness. is dying to uh, know what your favorite meal is. Jeez. <laughs> uh, boy. Well, I would say, I mean, I, this is something that's been uh, – since I was a kid, I always loved spaghetti and meatballs, and uh, really a good, uh, a good sauce and uh, and pasta, and a good uh, and some meatballs, and I'm I'm a happy man, maybe with a glass of red wine. That's a that's a great meal, and some good bread, and bread's uh, important. So, I guess that would be my favorite meal. Are you are you a cook by default, or are you one of those guys that just orders takeout all the time? No, I love to cook, and I do uh, quite a bit. And uh, a lot of that comes because I was uh, when my my kids were young, and I, I was divorced, and I would have them half the time. And uh, you know, after uh, you know, going out and getting fast food all the time, for I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't keep doing this. And so I started coming up with all these meals, and uh, I, I had uh, I had Daddy Stroganoff, which was like this. <laughs> I used to get uh, mushroom soup, cream of mushroom soup, and uh, and I would I had a crock pot and I would put a can of that in and then get um, like a roast and chop that up into cubes and let it cook all day, mm-hmm. and uh, that was about it. And it was and, and then over egg noodles and uh, the kids loved it, and so I I had all these meals that I came that I basically came up with. I mean I uh, actually did some videos on them. Uh, you can find them out there somewhere, but. Um, yeah, where I did this whole series of, of meals for the kids. It was for, you know, like dads who, uh, got, you know, were either divorced or uh, had, uh, you know, uh, the kids while mom was away or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I've, I've actually, I, I, I'm not a chef by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm, I'm, I, I have a, a bunch of go-to meals that I'm really good at. I can make a great uh, spaghetti sauce from scratch with the real garlic and all that. And, um and also, uh, I'm uh, I'm a master on the grill. I am really good because when I was in college, I cooked at a restaurant and uh, on a grill uh, at a big steakhouse, and where they were doing like 200 meals a night. And uh, believe me, if any of you guys out there have ever cooked in a restaurant, when you got uh, that many meals coming, uh, you know how to cook steak. And uh, to this day, uh, I I uh, I can just uh, 
I can just touch that steak. I'll tell you exactly how where it is. And uh, I cook a mean ass steak. And folks, salt and pepper. That's it. Don't put anything else on that meat. Salt and pepper. Okay. But uh, yeah, but I'm a good cook. I really am. And my wife uh, loves that. She loves the fact that uh, that uh, I, uh, I I cook a meal here. Uh, you know, she's a fantastic cook. But uh, I like to uh, I like to get in front of that stove or out in the grill every chance I get. Are you a charcoal or a propane kind of guy? No, I, I, I can't deal with the charcoal stuff. It just takes too damn long. And then you got to clean it up. Well, I mean, and I like to. I mean, if I had my way, we would grill five nights a week. Yeah. I mean, really. But I have to go to bed too damn early. But I like to throw uh, something on the grill. And so uh, my uh, my dad loves uh, he loves cooking with mesquite wood as out here in Arizona. We got a lot of that around and uh, it gives a different flavor. But I don't have time for that. I, really <laughs> I like to fire up the propane. Uh, uh, you know, the real wood, it's great, but uh, too much time. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jared JL on Twitter asks, which which wrestler worked their gimmick backstage? Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, back in those days, uh, Sid <laughs> was really no different. Uh, Warrior was kind of the same way. He was uh, – and, and Randy, I mean, uh, Randy was – that was Randy. Boy, he when he uh, – if you look at the really early stuff of Randy, he was always kind of the macho man. But he just perfected it. And, uh, you know, you hear Lanny talk about uh, how he kind of came into that that character with, ooh, yeah, you know, the whole thing. But uh, he always had, you know, that voice wasn't uh, uh, something that he put on. It was uh, how he talked. And and, um, as he developed that character, man, he was he was the same way. I mean, even even when he was out of there, I don't ever remember really seeing him in, uh, you know, where he wasn't in the high boots and. You know, he would wear like a pair of jeans or something like that, but he was always the macho man. I mean, he really was just that it never really changed. So, uh, God, who else? Uh, hmm. What about I don't know. You'd like have to throw names out at me, but uh, who who would be like that? Um, but I always thought that, you know, like the ones that I always thought were really interesting were the ones that, you know, their character was just so far out there and they were completely different people backstage, you know, like George, uh, George Steele, like the animal, George Animal Steele. And just to see him out there, you know, and doing bits with him and he'd be like, Ooh, you know, like, and then you're like talking backstage with him like, yeah, so uh, what do you think of those dolphins or whatever, you know, talking football or whatever. I just, I always got a kick out of that though, because they, they would be so far from character when it came to, you know, they'd have to get into that, that mode. 
-hmm. other guys, you know, that wasn't that much of a stretch. They were the same, uh, you know, in or out, uh, in or out of uh, character. It wasn't that much of a, a, a line between the two. Right. What about like Mr. Perfect? Did he live the gimmick off camera? No. I mean, and, and the thing was that, you know, the Mr. Perfect gimmick was just a, you know, a boastful Kurt Hennig. I mean, okay. you know, Kurt was a very confident guy anyway, uh, you know, cocky, but, uh, but really likable, you know, that, uh, he wasn't, a, he wasn't an asshole, you know, he wasn't like that, but at the same time, you know, he was, he was uh, a very confident individual. So for him to become Mr. Perfect wasn't, you know, that far to go. Cause he was a really great athlete and, uh, you know, and had the, uh, the bravado to back it up and, uh, could, you know, deliver tremendous promos, but, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't such a stretch for him to, uh, you know, between, uh, in front of a camera or behind it. Mm -hmm. Travis Peters on Facebook asks, do you think undertaker should still be undefeated at WrestleMania? I got at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that he should never, ever be beaten. I, I really, I mean, it, it it's, it, he's been at it for so long. I mean, what do you do? Then you beat him. And then that's the last thing people remember. No, uh, I think the undertaker, uh, forever should just be this persona that nobody could ever really touch. Um, you know, I think that, uh, cause what is that going to do beating him? What is that, that he's lost it finally, or, you know, right. like some old champ. Uh, no, I think that the undertaker is not human and he's uh, never has been. And, uh, so why would, why would hit the conclusion to his career be anything but that? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Undertaker, John Lovell on Twitter asked, did you ever witness Undertaker and Andre the Giant interact backstage in 1991? Wow. Not really. I mean, I don't think, you know, Andre was a really uh, private person. It wasn't like you were going to see him, you know, walking around socializing. Um, you know, when Andre was in the building, he was somewhere where the table was set up and he was playing cards. Um, with or whatever the game was, mm -hmm. cribbage or whatever they were, but uh, that's pretty much. And then he would hold court, you know, and and people would be, you know, that were accepted into that circle, would uh, would be able to come in. But uh, for the most part, he was he was a very private person. I don't know. I I know they didn't have any heat that I ever knew about, but uh, you know, it wasn't. I don't. I just don't know. The, you know that that was like his crowd that, uh, you know, that Mark would have been hanging out with him, but I don't think there was ever any bad feelings between them. But you have to understand that that wasn't what Andre did. He wasn't back there socializing with people. He, his idea of, uh, you know, he loved uh, the, the people that he uh, liked having around him, but he spent most of his time where he would be back there, you know, and just uh, enjoying his time with those people that he liked uh, playing cards with and that was it. I mean, Alfred was always, whenever Alfred was there, he was, he would be by, uh, um, Andre, Andre liked Alfred a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so he would, he would play cards with him for hours and, uh, that was, that was pretty much it. But as far as that, in, that relationship or that interaction, I never got to witness much of it because like I said, he wasn't, it wasn't like Andre was out walking around right. and I wasn't at the table playing cards. <laughs> Uh, Moondog Mooney on Twitter asks, are you my long lost brother? Oh boy. <laughs> well, you know, when I was a kid, some of my friends, they did call me Moondog. 
But uh, uh, Moondog, I, I tell you, I don't need any more brothers. Uh, you know, I, I, I did great with my, uh, my uh, one brother and, uh, you know, uh, love him to death. And then I have that other guy, Ian, who uh, you guys got to hear on. And, uh, you know, so it's like 50-50. So I think I should stop where I'm at. I don't need any more brothers. <laughs> Are we sure Moondog Mooney isn't your alter personality? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the, the character of uh, Moondog Mooney. But, uh, you know, there are not, I don't think there's a whole lot of Moonies in the United States. So probably uh, down the line, you know, there may be some connection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe not long lost brother, but maybe, uh, maybe long lost relative. Second cousin, Uh, twice removed or something. Oh, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Juan Rosales on Twitter asks, were you you ever out with Ted DiBiase when he was, quote, living the gimmick, i.e. giving huge tips at restaurants, buying rounds of drinks for everyone? Yeah, the, you know, there were a couple of times that uh, where we would be at a hotel and be in the bar or or, uh, or something like that, and uh, yeah, and we and it was always it was a it was really fun because he did he lived that gimmick. Uh, there was uh, you know where he would it was uh, directed to be that way, and uh, but um, you know it wasn't insane, crazy. He wasn't doing the you know the bill dance or something like that. Um, and, and, and at the same time, you know, he could play that character too. He was a heel. So people, if they tried to bug him, you could say, you know, uh, you know, get, <laughs> get lost basically. But, uh, it was a few times. So I did uh, get a chance to, to have a few cocktails with Ted back in the day, but no, you know, and it's not like I'm hiding stories here. Cause I, I didn't, uh, you know, as you guys, if I, I have said over the years that, uh, you know, I, I live by that code of, you know, I, I uh, love to have being friends with those guys and uh, and uh, had a great relationship and would have a cocktail or two with them here and there. But I also uh, knew that I wouldn't cross that line. I wasn't going to get myself in a situation, first of all, that was going to get me fired. And second of all, I didn't want it to change the relationship I, I, that uh, I had with them, working with them professionally. Because, uh, you know, whenever we did interviews backstage it was you know a very professional situation and we had to nail it and they had to get it right and uh i didn't ever want to lose any of that respect that we had yeah. for each other did, yeah. you, did you ever witness that to where like somebody like i'll just throw gene out there or alfred or something like that where they kind of they got in close with the wrestler and then it kind of fell out and then it was weird professionally did anything like that ever happen no because i think they live by the same the same code you know, that uh, Gene was the same way. I mean, you know, the guys loved him, you know, everybody. And, and he was exceptionally close to, to uh, Terry, uh, to Hulk. But, um, you know, Gene would, uh, you know, be with people like, you know, Bobby or, uh, you know, some of the other guys. But um, as far as the wrestlers go, Gene was the same way. He knew that, you know, we had to keep our distance to an extent. And uh, he certainly loved, enjoyed having a cocktail when we're out, whatever. But uh, at the same time, he was he he had the same uh, I think uh, credo that I did. So uh, he wouldn't do that. Bobby was more one of the boys, you know, because he he you know, he got in the ring. He could take a bump with the best of them. And uh, his his uh, demons have been well documented. And uh, he probably got himself into a few situations that probably weren't real healthy for him. 
But, you know, he was truly on that side. I mean, uh, you know, Bobby could hang with us, certainly. He was part of the announce team. But I think when it came down to it, and especially the way he came up, you know, he was one of those guys who was on the road and he was, uh, you know, working these these local shots and, you know, he came up the hard way. And uh, so that was in his blood from the very beginning as uh, the, the peaks that he went to. But it, when it came down to it, Bobby was like, that's who he was, man. He uh, he was a guy who worked his ass off, uh, you know, took a number, all, got endless number of shots in the ring, could uh, – dish it out as, as uh, much as he delivered it, uh, especially with his mouth. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but Bobby was a different, you know, he was a different person and there was a different line there. He was, he was, he was he certainly con- would be considered one of the boys. Uh, I'd say more so than he was uh, on the side we were on as announcers. Gotcha. Emma Marco on Twitter asks team Hogan or team flair. Me? Yep. Oh, where do you think? Uh, I, Hogan? I, I, I'll, uh, huh? Hogan? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I mean, I, uh, even though, you know, and I've told the, I've, I've said it many times, you know, I, ca- I caught that wave late with the uh, Hulk and, and uh, Gene was his guy. Uh, absolutely. But, um, you know, I worked with Hulk a lot. I did a lot of interviews with him and I also w- was, you know, witness to, uh, what was happening, and and I was there, you know, seeing the reaction of uh, everybody. Uh, you know, when he would step into an arena, and my God, they blow the roof off that place. Of, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, you go out into that arena and and physically feel, not just hear, physically feel the 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 sound of that crowd going through your body. Uh, popping when that guy stepped out there. I'd never seen anything like that in my entire life. And I had been to a lot of uh, great events, uh, World Series and all the, you know all these other uh, great events and had never seen anything like that, ever, ever. So uh, that has remained in my soul. I've never forgotten. And, and uh, you know, Hulk Hogan is one of a kind. He changed the entire business forever. And Rick, of course, man, uh, there's no, I mean, look at Rick Flair was in two Super Bowl commercials last night. Uh, I mean, that just shows you what, uh, the star power that he has, right. but you know, Rick, uh, made his, you know, his, his, his fame skyrocket within the world of professional wrestling before, you know, he has gone on to do what he's done, but. Hulk changed not just only the world of professional wrestling. He he changed entertainment as on a whole. Mainstream media uh, couldn't get enough uh, with uh, the MTV Rock and Wrestling. You know, after Hulk was in the Rocky movie, and I mean, he was the the biggest star on the planet. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, he was he was uh, Rock before you know the, that that type of fame that the Rock is enjoying now. But Hulk did it first. Uh, on that stage and uh you know he he needs to forever get credit for that yeah. uh, regardless of what you think of hulk hogan or whatever uh man if if you don't have him as uh if not the number one uh he's got to be top five absolutely he's on he's on the, he's the rushmore he's on that he's on the side of that mountain there's no question about it and it always cracks me up to hear people say different yeah. because if you just look at it and how that guy 
uh, impacted the world of professional wrestling. And you could say, you know, Vince is a genius in what he did, but it would have never happened, not to that level, without uh, Terry Malia. There's no, no way, absolutely no way that uh, it would have happened would have happened without him. That that union was a lightning in a bottle. That's a once in a lifetime, and uh, that's that's pretty much. So yeah, I uh, I've, I've always been Team Hogan. Okay. And uh, love Rick, but I just you know, also I didn't work with Rick a whole lot because, right. you know, he wasn't uh, with the WWF for that long. And uh, when uh, I did get to do stuff with him, it was pretty limited. We did interviews and stuff like that. But I worked with Hulk a lot more. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Nick on Patreon asks, what's the best rib you personally witnessed backstage? That I per- personally witnessed. Wow. Yes. Jeez, there was an awful lot of them. <laughs> uh, I never liked the mean-spirited ones, man. I, I really, that, I, I, I hated that uh, stuff that they they did. Um, you know, you'd always would see the, uh, you know, the they put the the padlocks on people's bags, and and you know it's funny, but then when you got to get to uh, catch a flight or you know doing stuff like that, and then you got to go find somebody to cut you know yeah. <laughs> a lock off uh was that was not great i think god i'm trying to think what would be the funniest the best spirited um i i mean there was there was uh, one of my favorite ribs which i thought was pretty harmless is that we'd be on a flight and um they would somebody would have a can of shaving cream and uh, I remember, I think it was Bob Collins who was one of the uh, public relations people. He's the guy that used to seat people in the, the arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were coming back a late flight, and somebody I, I don't which remember which one of the boys was, but he you know put this put the shaving cream on his head and made this big giant little tower. It looked like a Dairy Queen ice cream cone, <laughs> and you don't feel it because there's no weight to it. Yeah. And he wasn't really a tall guy and this thing was probably eight inches tall the way they did it. And he's getting off this plane and people are just looking at him like, what the hell? And he never felt, I don't know when he figured it out. I don't know when we, because nobody say, nobody would say anything to him. Nobody who was, uh, you know, part of our group. And then when you're, when he's a stranger, you're not going to say, Hey, you got, you know, you got something on your head. So here's walking through the whole terminal with this big giant, (laughs) mound of, of shaving cream on his head. And that was always a big favorite. Um, I, one other great rib and I didn't witness it, but it was, uh, 
told to me uh, by Alfred that uh, you remember Frenchie Martin, who was the uh, the manager. You know, he had the uh, the paint gimmick where he had the schmock and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, the guys would be traveling for hours and hours. Uh, you know, endless hours in airports and they would, you know, you get bored out of your mind. So they would entertain themselves and, you know, they do the thing like where they put, they put a $10 bill on the floor with a piece of twine and, uh, you know, somebody would be walking by and, and they would, it would be laying on the ground. And of course, you know, you see a $10 bill, you're going to pick it up and they'd, they'd, uh, you know, the guy would go down to get it and they'd pull it a little bit and it'd be, you know, move like a foot. And the guy would figure like, what the hell, uh, how did that happen? And then he'd go down again and they'd pull it like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but one of the, the best I've ever heard, and uh, got, it, it, I would have loved to have witnessed it, but uh, remember everybody had these Halliburton uh, uh, briefcases. And um, so the, 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 uh, the rib was that um, Frenchie would be mark, <clears throat> walking through the terminal and he would look, like, he would find, look for the most you know, innocent looking person you could possibly imagine, like a group of nuns or something like that. And the boys would sit along the side there and just watch this. And so he would have this Halliburton uh, briefcase and he would, as he approached these people, then he would like, uh, like run into them. And as he kind of, you know, bumped them, he would trip. And then the, the Halliburton case would, he'd open the Halliburton case as he took this bump and it would be full of disgusting sex toys, just <laughs> disgust. And, and as he was, you know, bumbling, he would, you know, grab the toys and like throw, put it in the person's hand, you know, like, Oh geez. And they didn't know what they're holding. All of a sudden they'd see they're holding this giant dildo, you know, <laughs> like, so apparently that was, uh, one of the best ever and that he would pull this off and, uh, God, I, I wish I would have witnessed it. And I hope to God it's true because it's just a great story, but, uh, they would, uh, you know, do things for, you know, to, to just pass the time because they were maybe waiting for flights forever but uh, Alfred told me that story, so uh, I'm going to take it as uh, as gospel. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to move on now. we got a few questions about your departure from the WWE. We'll start off with Garrett Hernandez on Patreon. He says, why did you never consider joining WCW? It would have been something special to see you with Mean Gene and Bobby again. Yeah, and I, that's a, I've been asked that question many, many, many times, and uh, uh, it just never happened. Um, when I was ready to leave the WWF at 93, I had a plan already in place. I'd, uh, or at least I thought I did. And, uh, I, I remember sitting in Vince's office when my uh, contract was up and I went over, I had a whole letter prepared to give him, you know, saying I was, uh, not coming back. And, uh, when I told him that and Kevin Dunn was there too, um, uh, and I just told he I told him I I, I uh, I'm not going to renew my contract, and um, and he said, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, I I'm not real sure yet. I've got some you know ideas. And he said, well, come on, you can just tell me. Uh, you're going to you're going south. You're going down south. And I'm like, no. I mean, I'm like initially, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like WCW. And I said, no. I mean, I was just like, he just hit me like, what? What? No, no, that's not what I'm doing. He's like, no, it's, you know, I mean, a lot of people doing that and, uh, you know, understand. I said, no, Vince, if I'm going to work uh, for any wrestling organization, it's going to be you. I mean, there's no, why would I do that? You're the, you know, it's, it's the best company there is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't believe me, I don't think. I mean, he really thought that I was going to turn up there. But 
Honestly, I never received a call. Eric never called me uh, even to inquire at all. And uh, I think I had a – Tony called me once I, when he was down there and just said – I think he'd heard I was leaving and just said would I be interested and maybe uh, – you know, and I don't think there was any, I don't even know if that was, you know, Eric going through him to see if I would be interested or if it was just him thinking, hey, you know, maybe because we got along really well. Mm-hmm. But I just told him that, you know, I, it's not where I am right now. Uh, maybe down the road, I don't know. But uh, that was it. I never, ever had a another conversation. It wasn't uh, on my radar at all. And uh, apparently not theirs either because, uh, you know, I didn't get any other phone calls and it didn't happen. But, uh, you know. I, I think that while those guys made a lot of money, I don't know if it was the greatest experience for them. I mean, uh, yes. you know, uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed it uh, doing it. It just sounded well, – I wasn't there. But just judging from what I've heard Tony talk about it and uh, and, and Bobby was not happy there and, and, and Gene, you know, made a lot of money, but I don't think that uh, – I, I don't know if that's a decisions that they regretted because uh, financially it was a good move, but I, I like for you know I just I hated to see what happened with Bobby, yeah, because he was never the same after that, you know. And he was God, he was so good, so great. And and when I've watched that, that's you know that scene where Gorilla throws him out of the arena, yeah, I get tears. I mean, it really it it uh, it, it tears me up because. I know that was all a work and everything, but God, it was the ending of that, of that, of those two. And God, it really, I can't even watch it. It's, it's uh, really emotional for me to see that's the way it it ended between them really, you know? And uh, anyway, I mean, thinking about it now makes me really uh, emotional because they were just so good. And you know what I, how I feel about the two of them and, and, and especially them as a, as an announced team too. So, well, and you know, the other thing too that I just remembered as you were talking and, you know, we always joke about that bingo break thing. And yeah, the yeah. one thing I remember from that is when Bobby came out, he introduced yeah. himself and he started to say that he was with the WWF, but then he had to correct himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was, uh, you know, and that was a really great uh, thing what Bobby did. And, and it wasn't, I mean, he did that for Gorilla. And also Nelson Swegler, who put that that show together. But I mean, you know, Bobby lived in Florida. He didn't, you know, he didn't have to come to Baltimore to do that, and he did. And uh, you know, it was just a really uh, great tribute to his friend that he did that, and and for Nelson too. And I never forgot that. And uh, you know, things change. Yep. But God, when they were when they were uh, on top, when when they were kings. Man, they were they were just the best ever. Yeah. Uh, TJL sixty six on Twitter asks: After you left in nineteen ninety three, did the WWE ever call you to come back, or was there any interest on your part to return? Um. Not re- not until the, well, one great story um, that, and it's kind of a follow up to me leaving. The, uh, you know, the WWF and Vince thinking I was going to go work for the WCW. And I went, uh, you know, and started to work for the, for WWR in New York. And I started as a, you know, like a feature reporter, like a correspondent. I mean, I was just doing, you know, 
beating the street for stories and trying to make my way there. And eventually I got the opportunity to anchor there. And I remember after the first night that I, you know, like officially started anchoring there when I was, um, you know, doing it every night. Uh, the next day I got a telegram from Vince congratulating me. I still have it. And, uh, that really touched me that, you know, that I'd been away for God more than a year or so. And, uh, that he took the time to do that, but it also, uh, made me feel good because that, that he recognized that. And I think that one of the reasons that he did that also is that, you know, I gave, uh, people that had worked for him, talent that he that had worked for him, some credibility. And I mean, here I was doing, uh, you know, news on in the uh, New York market, uh, having you know having been a wrestling announcer. You know, as the quotes come up, and uh, I remember Phil Mushnick, who was a, a big uh, sports writer there. Oh God, he hated Vince. Uh, if you guys you know know the history of that, yeah. he hated professional wrestling and just despised Vince. And with that. Uh, he hated me because of my my work there. And whenever he would write about anything that had to do with the news or something I was doing, it was always former wrestling announcer Sean Mooney, you know, just to put the boots to me. I mean, it didn't matter. You know, I would have, oh, so I had an investigative report last night. Well, why didn't he investigate Vince McMahon, you know, and just, yeah. and uh, that's just kind of the way it was. But uh, I think that First of all, Vince also realized I didn't lie to him. I wasn't. I didn't go south. And also, I think I, uh, you know, added credibility to, uh, you know, what what uh, the work that uh, that I had accomplished with him and become a, a good broadcaster. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, following on that, so for many years, you know, I was uh, back and went to work in Boston for a while, and then I ended up back out in Arizona and. Um, there was one point where they called me and they wanted me to come back to audition. And this was a point, God, I don't know how many years ago it was. It's probably seven or so now. And uh, they wanted me to come back and audition. And I think this was a point where Vince was just, he was fed up with a lot of the announcers, you know, how he kind of goes in and out. Yep. And so somebody must have said, well, you know, you should get Sean Mooney back here or whatever. And he's like, well, sure, get him out here or something. And they called me and, and I went out there and uh, basically re-auditioned. They had me do some play-by-play. They had me cut a promo, do an interview, and uh, came back out to Arizona, not really knowing what was going on. And then like two days later, they called me and said, hey, can you be in Rochester on Tuesday? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't, uh, you know, I was kind of, uh, at that point, I had uh, my production company had pretty much folded up because um, I was working for Fox Sports Arizona mm-hmm. and uh, Pac-12 came along and I had a really good business. I was doing stuff with, uh, I was doing two shows, producing two shows for Fox Sports Arizona. And uh, once Pac-12 came in, it just you know killed me because I was doing all college sports. Right. So I was doing all kinds of freelance stuff. I was doing sideline for rugby, <laughs> where, you know, wherever I could get work. And so this came along at a good time. And so, like I said, I went back there, auditioned, I thought everything was great. And they called me and said, hey, can you be in, you know, Kevin uh, had through another person and said, you know, can you be in Rochester on Tuesday? And somewhere in there, there was a meeting or something. And that was it. Not, not just don't come, don't, here's, not, here's a ticket, nothing, not, not, a, not a word. And 
Um, you know, I've been back since to do, you guys have seen the stuff that I did for, um, you know, with the, uh, edge and Christian show. And then I did that uh, bit with, uh, Peter Rosenberg, which I love that bit. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's one of my favorites. I love that, uh, that, uh, that pre-show that we got to do the little bit, but anyway, um, but nobody has ever, ever told me what happened, what happened in that meeting, what was who who said no or or did they patch it up with whoever the announcer? I don't know. I still to this day don't know. And then I just went on and I did my thing because you know that's how you, when you work in this business you just you keep going and that's uh, that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, Jared England on Patreon asked, "Did you ever see yourself coming back to the WWF after you left in '93? And if WWE ever wanted to bring you back to the company, would you come back? Obviously, you did." But yeah, well, uh, well, that, you know, and I, I just kind of following up on, on the question you asked before uh, that, you know, did opportunities come up? But um, and I, you know, I have done a few things here. They they wanted me to come back for the 25th anniversary show, which uh, I really would have loved to have done. I just couldn't get out of work. I, you know, I have my uh, my job as a, a person, or a host out here in the morning show, and I couldn't get free for those dates. But um, as far as would I go back there, I mean, not not in that capacity. I wouldn't go back and be, you know, uh, doing the the grind that those guys do. And but I would love to do, you know, uh, vintage stuff for the network. I mean, that would be fun. I'd love to go back, you know, every once in a while and shoot a bunch of episodes or whatever. Yeah, I'd be wide open for that. And I think that there's a lot of great material on there that I could enhance. Mm-hmm. But as far as uh, going back uh, like that, nah. I don't think so. Did you did you ever after you left did you ever envision that you would be back? I mean, I'm talking about like right, you know, 93, 94, 95, whatever. Did you ever envision that you'd be back and especially in the capacity that you are? Oh god, no. <laughs> uh no. No, no, not at all. Um it, you know, it's funny the the road that you travel because I never wanted to really get back into news either. That was you know, when I first got out of college, I had a radio television degree, and uh, I thought that, you know, I, I would I would do something like a news or something like that. And I remember I had a an internship at a TV station and and uh, hated it. I just thought, yeah. <laughs> this guy, one of the worst jobs ever. And people were so na- mean and nasty and stressed out. And uh, I was like, no way, man. And it's just funny how the, the, the road takes you. That uh, I actually, you know, was fortunate to to get that job in New York working for Major League Baseball Productions, and then got a really rich background in production, and and then got in front of a camera, and uh, so no, I, I you know once I worked for the WWF, I always thought okay I'll just do something different because I wanted to get into entertainment television, and uh, really didn't envision going back, but I missed it. I, I honestly I did. I missed it. Uh, once I was gone for a few years and had thought about, yeah, God, I would, uh, I, I would like to go back. I didn't want to go back to do the event center, <laughs> right, right. but, but I did, I missed it. I missed, uh, the fun and, and, uh, the shows and doing the interviews with the guys and, uh, you know, those old crazy Coliseum videos where we got to run free and wild and <laughs> just create. So, you know, that stuff that, that I did miss, but, uh, you know, it just didn't didn't happen that way. I mean, other th- other opportunities came up. Sure. Juan Rosales on Twitter asks, I know that when you left the WWF, Vince initially thought you were going to WCW. 
But how was the tone of his voice when he reacted? Was he mad or was he understanding? No, he was uh, incredibly understanding, which, you know, it's it's uh, if you have you have to know what was going on back then with the company. It was not things weren't going so well. This was uh, 93. Uh, you know, the whole thing with the, the steroid trial was uh, brewing and all of these things going on with Hulk. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of turmoil. They didn't really have, uh, you know, somebody to replace him that they felt was really strong to do it. Warrior was a maniac as far as you didn't know, you know, he was in and out. And and uh, they had actually started asking people to take cuts and pay. And I mean, in a lot, I mean, substantial cuts and pay. So, uh, and I was making very good money then. And I, maybe in, in some sense, you know, they didn't, uh, I don't know if they had other plans with the event center or what they were going to do, because I know after I left the event, there was, there was really no event center. They, they did something where I, it was kind of a faux event center where they would just do the big markets but they, the event center that, that that existed when I was there was really no more. And I and it it was, in a sense, because uh, you know, Pat my own back here. But it was it, it it took somebody special to be able to do that, to be able to sit there, you know, market after market after market after market. And I had it down at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get somebody else in there to do that, you know, was not going to happen easily you know and so um i think that uh you know it was something that i i just uh, knew was gonna you know go the other way you know so i i don't know what was the original question here <laughs> uh let's see oh they were asking about vince's reaction oh 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 i know yeah was yeah he mad or was so he anyway mad? when i was sitting in that office that um I don't remember. He didn't say, no, no, Sean, you can't go. No, you can't. Um, So who knows? They may have had in their mind that they were going to let me go or ask me to take a huge cut and pay. I don't know. That never got to that point. It was, uh, and I felt good about it because I I really felt like it was my decision. Mm. Um, But, you know, who knows? They may have had in the cards. Maybe I had a few more months, so maybe they weren't going to renew me. I, I don't know, but uh, I kind of took control of it and uh, and stepped away. So kind of was on my terms. But uh, but as I said, there was a lot going on in the company. So I don't know. I don't know how much longer maybe they would have let me go at some point when when they were cutting back there. I don't know. Ash22477 on Instagram says, are there any superstars from back in the day that you still keep in touch with? Well, you, you see the guys that uh, we've had come back uh, on the program, and uh, it's not like, you know, I uh, touch base with these guys all the time, but, you know, it's awesome. Like, you know, Brutus will send a, a text here and there, wish me a happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, or um, and Ted, uh, you know, uh, I can text him back and forth the answers and uh, hacksaw once in a while we 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 connect but uh, it's not like you know we're all buds and I'm like uh, we you know see you in Tampa <laughs> like, right. like that but what's been nice about it though is that I do uh, feel like I've I've reconnected these with these guys and uh, people like Joe Laurinaitis and you know these guys um, 
that's that's nice, you know. That, uh, but it's not like we're all buds. I I never really had that relationship with them back in the day, and so. But it is, you know, it's great that that you know, like Ted feels that he could text me and say, "Hey, Mooney, you know, uh, mention this on the podcast so that everybody knows this is the way it is," and um, and he knows I'll do it. So it's it's uh it's it's really nice it really is it's kind of uh uh brought those connections back back in uh, to my life and and i love it yeah newt ragnar hegseth baki on facebook wow yes. yeah that's a name for your ass how was it to work with bruce pritchard Ooh, bruce um wow uh you know bruce admits that he uh was difficult in his day and his, uh, when he was, uh, younger and, uh, he could be really tough, man. He could be, uh, really, really hard on you. Uh, but I will say, you know, that, uh, he helped me out a lot. He really did. And, um, even, you know, even when I first came on, I know that he was one of the people that, uh, you know, uh, helped get me, uh, on on the roster there. I mean, he, he was he was part of that audition, uh, you know, the, uh, that I had in that audition, and you know, sell me the broom. And he's even he's told the story that I did a good job with it. And uh, you know, I could always go to him because, like, I didn't know, uh, you know, I was green as could possibly be. And uh, he he would definitely he would take me aside and help me out and uh with the interviews because you know he's so talented when it comes to that stuff and I mean, he was actually you know he, he would do the interview like with me in that voice uh, the whoever i was and and work with me and so i'm indebted to him forever for that and he and he took care of me he really did he, he took care of me and uh i know he got me into uh you know doing a lot of things because uh he was close to vince and uh, let sean do it and he'll get it and uh so, uh, it was, you know, overall it was a great relationship. It really was. And, uh, you know, and he's, uh, I consider him a friend. I really do. And I'm glad that I had, had the chance to reconnect with him since. And I'm just also really glad that things have turned out so great for him. I mean, uh, I don't think people really appreciated how talented that guy was yeah. when he was, you know, back in the day with brother love and the whole thing. But, uh, you know, Conrad Thompson certainly introduced that to the world with the podcast. And, uh, really he's unbelievably talented. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen one of their uh, shows, but here you have two guys basically and the people they invite to come on, but it's two guys sitting at a table that they set up on stage and he has all these little masks on sticks of the characters that he does. And, uh, sure. There's bits that they have gone and they've done that work and they use them over and over again. But at the same time, there's an awful lot of ad libbing going on that just happened. And it's really entertaining. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's like a two hour show and it is, uh, it's really entertaining. And I think that at some point when Bruce isn't so damn busy doing what he's doing now, which just perplexes me, like, why, <laughs> why would you want to jump into that fire pit? But it's, you know, it's a challenge, and uh, that's something that uh, Bruce wanted to do. But I hope that they do more shows so people get to see, uh, you know, what, what Bruce does on stage. He's, he really is. He's just a very funny guy. Yeah. Uh, 
Toby Bovingdon on Twitter asks, at SummerSlam 89, you did a post-match interview with uh, the Honky Tonk Man. You remarked, you remarked, quote, they're a long way from Graceland. Was that ad-libbed? Uh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I, I, uh, I can't even remember the context in which I, think, I said that. but uh, I think, if I remember correctly, that was the match where he got squashed by the Warrior in like 30 seconds and Warrior won the Intercontinental title. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he came, I think he was in the aisle way? I'm not sure. It's either there or backstage, but then, yeah, you caught up with him and you asked him that, and I think he just kind of, I don't know, I can't remember what he did, but that was that's the context. Well, and hit me with a guitar? <laughs> I don't. I think he was too dazed to hit anybody with a guitar, really. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I think Warrior just, like, press-slammed him and crushed him and pinned him, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it's, uh, as people know, that those weren't really uh, scripted. And so, uh, you know, I may have thought about the line before, you know, when he came out, how I would wrap it up or something. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it was uh, – that wasn't uh, – you know, because it would have been along the lines of all the other inter- interviews we did. Now, Saturday Night Main Event stuff was uh, pretty tight. You had to uh, remember your lines for that stuff because they had it all, you know, blocked out and timed out. And so – but the other ones, I mean, usually even for the pay-per-views, it was pretty loose. It would say, you know, do this and do that, and we'll go this way. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of the way it was. But, uh, God, do I remember it exactly? Sorry. <laughs> Too long ago. All right. Travis Peters on Facebook asks, what's your opinion at, at what was your opinion at first of the smaller guys getting a shot like Bret Hart to be world champion instead of uh, the Hogan and Warriors when Bret won the title in 93? Well, um, to tell you honestly, I always like the smaller guys in the ring because I just thought that they could do a lot more and they were more technical, you know, with what they could do. And Brett, man, was so good. Uh, Just all the things that he could do and the way he could make the other guy look great. Uh, the bigger guys were more limited and, uh, you know, they'd have kind of this toolbox that they would use and there was only so much, but, uh, Brett was, you know, always coming up with new, uh, new stuff and, uh, you know, uh, and, and always thinking, always thinking about, you know, better ways to sell or a better way to tell a story or storylines. So, um, you know, I love the, the big guys and certainly when you see what they were able to accomplish in the ring and, and just for the sheer, you know, uh, violence of it is great to watch them. But, you know, watching people like the rockers and, and, uh, Brett and seeing what he could do. Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that wrestling more, but I, you know, certainly all of it was great. But if you, if I had my preference of it, yeah. Cause what did warrior do? Warrior came out and shook the ropes, you know, <laughs> right. and, uh, and then took people's heads off. And uh, like I said, for the sheer violence of that and the excitement, yeah, it's fun to watch. But if you really like to see what these guys could do back then, and uh, you know, I loved watching that a lot, a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Kirkunto, I apologize for butchering that, on Patreon asks, what's the single best thing you ever saw in your time with the WWE? Wow. The single best thing I ever saw, yeah. like in a, is it like a match or match I mean, a, angle, an event, promo, 
what? God, that's ooh, that's a big box. <laughs> um, Just opened up there. Uh boy. Like what's? what's I think I I I would say um, you know uh, the Undertaker when when he really uh, became you know kind of came into his own there and. Uh, you know, he would come out and all you had to hear was that gong and the, the place would just erupt. And I think and then also I used to love when when he would, you know, be laid out flat and then he would come up straight and just the, the, the reaction that uh, he would get from people. Uh, that was always, you know, always love that, that that uh, that whole that whole uh, gimmick with like the, the entrance and, the you know, it just scared the shit out of people. It was like, uh, you know, and then the coffins and putting people in the boxes because, uh, you know, you can only imagine if that was you. But uh, I think the, uh, everything, you know, that whole thing with the, with the Undertaker, but that, you know, where he would come up, you know, just all of a sudden punk, come up like uh, uh, Michael Myers or something <laughs> was always great to watch. And, and uh, you know, as I said before, the, the being in at some of those matches with, uh, with Hulk and uh, just, just the sheer madness of the, the excitement and the energy in a building – that uh, he would generate was something I've never, never had never seen and haven't seen since like that. Yeah. BMAC on Twitter asks any good stories or memories you can share on Sherry Martell. Oh boy. I've told a few about Sherry um, that uh, how she used to beat the living crap out of me with uh, when we did spotlight. Um, and she just uh, relished it. <laughs> she knew that uh, she could get away with it with me. I mean, I, 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 you know, the thing is about, and I don't know how many people have really experienced this, but when you, uh, when you had come to that realization that this person, you know, could hurt you mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would like, if you tried to fight back, you wouldn't stand a chance. And, and Sherry was just like that. I mean, if it ever got, she was that, had that, uh, that presence about her, but also a really, really sweet person. Um, God, what did I, I've, I've always I've told the story before how she taped me to the chair, uh, and then they left and then flipped me and then they left me and went to lunch. Uh, that was one of the uh, during one of the spotlight tapings. Um, God, what else did she do to me? She just uh, was just brutal. I mean, she didn't. She was not. Uh, she didn't pull any punches. Literally, like when she would smack me on that show, she smacked me. <laughs> like, geez, will you take it easy? Um, yeah. God, Sherry was, uh, just a really unique person and, um, really just, uh, there was a lot of, uh, uh, hurt in her too. You know, I always felt like she just wanted to be, I know this is a sound corny, but she wanted to be loved by somebody just like really loved her mm-hmm. and she sacrificed a lot. She had a kid that, uh, she didn't get to be with a lot of the time. She would bring him on the road, but, um, I think that that was tough. And you got to imagine what it was like for her. She's one of those, uh, she's one of the women that broke that barrier of, of crossing over the line and she, where she was, uh, in many cases, equal to many of the, the male superstars. Mm-hmm. And she would deliver it, you know, if they didn't uh, give it to her full force, she would beat the crap out of them. And she would tell them, you, you know, like, if you're going to clothesline me, you better make it look, re- you better make it look good. Yeah. And so I uh, had a lot of respect for her in the ring and uh you know 
but God, I, I, I've told a lot of the stories about her. But that one, uh, when she tied me up in the uh, in, during the show, put take me to the chair was one of the ones that really stood out to me. <laughs> Uh, Joss DeRoy on Facebook asks, sounds like it was fun doing commentary with Lord Alfred Hayes. Do you have any stories featuring Alfred or are you uh, doing commentary back in 88 or 89? Wow. Um, yeah, we would, uh, Alfred and I did, I don't know, probably hundreds and hundreds of matches that uh, many people in the United States never got to hear because they were, we were doing the commentary for all the folks in the United Kingdom. And uh, I, uh, Alfred and I got the opportunity to go over to the UK for one of the live events we did over there. And I can't remember if it was one at Albert Hall. I think one of, one of them was. And uh, so I'd, uh, I'd been over to, the, to England once before. That was in school. And I went over there for, on tour when I was playing rugby. But I'd never really gotten the chance to you know, just drive around and see what England was like. And so when we went over there, we rented a car and, uh, you know, you drive on the other side of the road. So I wasn't about to try that. I was too, too freaked out. So Alfred, uh, we got this car and I think it was like a Peugeot or something. And, uh, so we get on the, uh, the, the Autobahn or whatever they called it. It wasn't a freeway. And, um, he goes like uh, you can the 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 speed limit was I don't think there was one you could go as fast as you wanted to, and so we're going. He gets this thing up to like 120 miles an hour. I am scared out of my mind because I feel like you know a squirrel runs on the road. We're going to be asphalt, and we're doing like 120 miles an hour. And Alfred is laughing because he knows I'm scared to death. I'm like you know slow down, <laughs> like are you crazy? And he's just having a blast. And this, I, this Porsche goes goes flying by us. The guy had to be doing 160. I mean, it was one of those things where here we're doing we're doing 120, and this car blows by us like we were doing 50, to the point where you could feel it in the car. Like we got this guy, you know, like whoosh, and just you know. And I just remember Alfred laughing. He just thought that was the funniest thing, and I'm white knuckled. I don't think I'd, I'd never been in a car that fast ever, ever. I don't think I'd been in a car would, that went over a hundred. <laughs> so uh, he tortured me. He, he did, and I just remember that laugh. You know, yeah. He just thought it was a, a riot. So that, and we had such a good time when we went on that trip. Uh, I've told the story where we went to that pub and we shot uh, some wraparounds. We were doing the Sherlock Holmes thing. And uh, we had the outfits on and the pipe and everything. And if you ever see that video, it's it's really funny. It's fun. But afterwards, we stayed at the pub and had some pints with some of the, the locals there who uh, uh, were big fans. And uh, we just, I, God, I don't even remember how we got home that night, but it was uh, it was a blast wherever we were staying. But yeah. uh, I'll never forget that. That trip was just um, so much fun. All right. Uh, Berg... Co- Berg Kodaks, and again, I apologize for butchering these names, on Instagram asked, do you have any good Big Boss Man stories? Ooh, Big Boss Man. Jeez, let me think. Big Boss Man. <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, like with uh, with Bubba, and, uh, you know, he uh, was, a, a, you know, a very agile uh, performer. I mean, he, as big as that guy was, man, he could move. And, um, 
I, I just remember one time when, when he was, he was like messing around, he was supposed to go out and he, you know, right before he was going to performance and he would take that stick and he'd like, you know, he could it like nunchucks, he could, you know, whirl it around like that and everything, you know, and, uh, he was getting ready to go out and he was kind of doing that and somebody distracted him or something like that. And he whacked his knee with it and he had to, he was, he had to go out to the ring and, and wrestle it was at one of the TV tapings, and uh, I, I just remember he like looked at me like, fucking like f, <laughs> and he had to go run out there, and I just he had like limped, kind of limped that didn't try and make it sell it, but he had to go out there and work, and and uh, I remember he came back and he's like, you have no effing idea how that like my knees like blown up, so. <laughs> That was uh, that was a boss man story, but he was, you know, that guy could move. Yeah, I was, you know, I've I've talked about that before. Some of the guys, the bigger boys, that I was uh, always amazed at just how, you know, what they could do in the ring. Like Bam Bam Bigelow was just uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Fred Ottman too. I remember his his, uh, you know, I think one of his audition matches that you know he wanted to impress them, and he did the standing drop kick where he. Went up so high, like kicked over the guy's head, and then you know landed, and uh, and even uh, John Tenta, you know, uh, Earthquake was for as much as that guy was hoisting around, man, he he could move, and it wasn't like a ballerina, but man, he he could get around that ring. Mm-hmm. All right, final question for you, Mooney. Gary Dinsdale on Facebook asks, and I I kind of curious about this too. Who told who told you to tone down the raised voice on the event center in '89? Was it Vince yeah. or Kevin oh. Dunn? <laughs> you get noticeably calmer after WrestleMania Five. <laughs> I love that. I because I watched those old. But, oh, it was here. much earlier than that, wasn't it? I don't know. In '89. I th- I think so. I th- it was right after you came in and you were doing the event center and you were sitting there yeah. doing it like this. Or yeah. Coming yeah. To yeah. Well, uh, uh, and I've told this story before, and I and I have to the, all this. You know, you, you have to blame. I'm sorry, but you have to blame Howard Finkel. Because, um, you know, Gene wasn't around to really uh, train me or help me along. And uh, Howard was the guy who kept track of all of the interviews. I mean, that was one of his other jobs that he did. And, you know, Howard had this big, giant, uh, you know, legal book. You know, these, you know, this big, uh, I don't know what they call them, but it was probably, you know, it was a binder. And you could write in there. The people used them for uh, financial stuff, but... This is how he would keep track of all who was doing whatever interviews. He had the big book. But anyway, Alfred was – I mean not Alfred. Uh, Howard was the one that was in charge of that. And so in a sense, he was in charge of the event center. And so when I came in, um, I, I, he thought and he thought as uh, like a, a ring announcer. And he thought that that's how I should do the event center. And so he would keep telling me, you know, you're not – not enough energy. You gotta really give it. You're gonna, you know, it sounds like you're not doing. You're, you're, not, you're, you're being energetic, but you're not. You gotta really. And so that's when I was doing. Hello, everybody. The Madison Square Garden. It's Friday night. It's, and I was like, how? I, I sound insane, and I look insane for this. Pretty much. And uh, that went on for quite a while. And he also would correct me and say I was not saying I was saying uh, I would say WWF, and he said it's not WWF. It's WWF. Like he would say, if you look back, he said Dev. It's not like Dev you, Dev you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I think it's W. Uh, Howard, um, no, I keep listening. It sounds like 
you know. So uh, here I am yelling and then saying WWF. Uh, and finally, I just said, you know, this ain't working. Uh, you know, either I will I will lose my voice, uh, you know, all the time, which I did uh, early on. And I sound like a maniac. So let me, can I try it my way? Let me just do it this way. And that's when I finally got to turn the volume back and he, you know, and everybody was saying, hey, you're doing, it's great. Love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That he, you know, said, uh, didn't sit, try and instruct me anymore. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's so hard for me to look at that stuff because it sound like so bad, so bad. It really is. There's no question about it. You're right. But I don't. I didn't think it took that long. I mean, I before I, I don't think it was two years. I don't think Wrestle so either. Well, WrestleMania five would have been. Well, was I, I was there for. I think my first one was was four, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. My first WrestleMania. Yep. I think that's right. So. so uh, yeah. I but uh, I, I'm glad I did because uh, that's I think why I stayed employed. But I just <laughs> said, "F it, I'm not doing it that way anymore, Howard." It just. It doesn't sound good. You should you should do the podcast this way that way. Coming up on prime time yeah. this week. Yeah. yeah. But it was also it was like master. so over enunciated and it was uh <laughs> I'm like it was like a like a ring announcer doing it. Yep. A ring announcer doing the event center. Yep. But that was kind of Howard's theory. He thought that uh, you know, I should be like him. Right. This event center scheduled for one fall. <laughs> That's so, that's all I got it. for you, Mooney. You came off kind of you. You did good today. Wow, an hour. We've been going what an hour and a half already. Good half. lord. I know, right? Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I I think that uh, we'd love to hear from people to uh, get your feedback on. You know, we are going to be doing more of these interviews with the uh, the talent, the personalities of the NWA, and. Uh, not quite sure how we're going to do it yet. If we're going to devote um, one uh, day, or you know, like we have with the network classics now, maybe do one that's just uh, NWA focused, or if we're going to include it into uh, uh, PTSM, I, I'm uh, I'd love to get your feedback on that. And so, uh, email me at uh, primetimemooney at gmail dot com. Let us know what you think. Um, I'm really excited about uh, what's going on. Uh, you know. It's uh, certainly gotten a lot of attention of people out there, and, and I hope it's bringing more of them uh, to the podcast to listen to uh, all of the other great personalities. If you're just joining us, uh, please, please check out our library. We've uh, talked to a lot of uh, people uh, over the years now, we can say. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, Casey, I think we're up, we're probably well over 100 and something episodes at this point probably coming up on 150 i would oh, yeah. think Easy. yeah so uh you go on there i guarantee you're going to find uh 10 10 interviews to start with that you absolutely want to listen to and you're going to learn a lot about uh, all of the uh these personalities and and uh, the roads that they've traveled and one thing that i've uh, was there's a recurring theme with all of our episodes and that is that uh, pretty much every single one of them is an in a very inspirational person. These are, uh, you know, folks who who came from, in many cases, uh, little or nothing. And uh, you have to imagine that when they decided they wanted to pursue a, a life in professional wrestling, uh, those around them uh, told them, you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. 
And they are, they refused to quit. And even when they got in, which is very difficult to do, as you'll hear many of the stories tell you that when they went to these schools, uh, that uh, whoever was uh, the, the, you know, the instructor, or whatever you want to call them, their mission was to convince you not to do it because uh, they wanted to see if you really did. And so, I mean, tested along the way and, uh, you know, for years working, uh, you know, independent circuit, working for organizations before really getting a break, making no money, and then, uh, you know, reaching untold fame and fortune. And, uh, you know, that just really, most of them are very inspirational, wouldn't you say, Casey? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you can, I you mean, can, so many. You get so many messages from these guys, and, you, and it's it, they always go so far deeper than the surface. And... I always learn something from these interviews, so it's 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 good for me. I like it. Yeah, I have that way about me, uh, uh, Casey, uh, making people open up and tell me things that uh, tell us things that uh, they may normally not uh, reveal, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. have that way. All right. Well, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. You know, when we start these cases, I have no idea. I'm like, God, what are we going to get? Like 20 minutes? And look at me, I've just rambled on for hour? an hour and a half. So um, follow us on all of our social media. We've, we've got a lot happening. So uh, now's a good time to get on board with uh, uh, keeping in touch with us on, uh, on Twitter at uh, Primetime Mooney. Or of course, uh, Sean Mooney at Sean Mooney Who. You can follow me there. And uh, also at Primetime Mooney with Instagram. You know, we've got a lot of folks following us on uh, Instagram. Casey, did you know that? Yeah, they're in Twitter. It's, it's really nice to see. I'm glad that – People are following yeah. us. Yeah, and we're putting stuff up on YouTube, too. So you can check out the Primetime Mooney uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to probably start putting up more stuff um, video-wise, too. So pay attention to uh, all the stuff we got coming out uh, your way and uh, a lot more great uh, content. So, uh, Casey, thank you. Anything else that uh, I need to plug? Nope, you're good. Oh, I heard they got a new T-shirt. We got a new T-shirt Did out we? there. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. So go to MooneyTees.com. Uh, I think there's one that's like, uh, what is it, Guess Who's Back or something like that? I don't know. We got a new a new shirt. So go check that out at MooneyTees.com. And we've got some other great ones up there. But uh, And more to come. Uh, we've got some new designs on the way. So check out MooneyTees.com. Anything else? No, I think let's just wrap it up. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, remember, we've got uh, Network Classics on Monday, and then, of course, original episodes of Prime Time with Sean Mooney on Wednesdays, and then uh, the Vault episodes on Saturdays. They all drop at 6 a.m. And uh, check out our Patreon membership. Uh, you can become a Legion of Who member or a Mooney uh, for some extra perks, or you can just join our uh, Patreon membership, and uh, just for $4.99 a month, you get all of our content. Um, absolutely ad-free and uh, early, right, Casey? You get the, you get those early. So check that out. Yeah, check that out. Go to our Patreon membership page at patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. All right, I think I've plugged it all. I've talked, talked uh, myself out here. So, folks, have a, a, a great week, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, next Wednesday with an original episode. But in the meantime, be well. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. <laughs>